gigantic steaks, a pizza called Fugazetta, and how to tell what's inside your empanada. This week, we're in Argentina. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we travel to a different corner of the world and sample the food and drink that makes that place special. Now, back in November, I had Shafik Meji on the show, and we talked about Buenos Aires, Argentina. But we weren't able to cover nearly all the great dishes of Argentina. So Shafik's back, and we talk about more Argentinian cuisine like a chickpea cake you can get in Buenos Aires, and Argentine barbecue and empanadas. Shafik is a travel writer who's written over 40 travel guides for DK Travel. He's also written for Rough Guide and has had articles published with BBC Travel, Culture Trip, and many others. In fact, Shafik literally wrote the book on travel to Argentina. And in this episode, Shafik and I talk about tango and the dance's roots in Africa. And during that conversation, I mentioned New Orleans. And just to clarify, what I'm referring to is Congo Square in Louis Armstrong Park, where enslaved people would gather on Sundays to sing, dance, and eat. So if you're listening to the podcast and that comment seems to come out of left field, that's the context. Before we get to Shafik, let me ask you to subscribe to the podcast. We're on all the podcast platforms, so it's easy to do. And that way, every Friday, a new episode of Destination Eat Drink lands on your device. Destination Eat Drink. Shafik Meji, thank you so much for being back on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. It's great to have you. We had a lot of fun talking last time about the cuisine and culture of Argentina, but we really didn't talk about a lot of things in Argentina, so I wanted to have you back. Um, first and foremost, we kind of danced around the edges of this issue, but I wanted to talk to you about the immigrant communities of Argentina. You mentioned the last time you were on that maybe 50% of Argentines have some sort of Italian DNA in them. Um, is So it, it, Italian must be the predominant uh, immigrant community in Argentina. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, there's this there's, there's huge, huge um, um, people with Spanish heritage. And, you know, like, like most parts of the world, most people are, have, have a, a, an incredible mix of, of heritage. Yes, but yes, the, the Italian influence is incredibly strong. I mean, I mean... The, the history of Argentina is actually really interesting, and it, and it has a lot of parallels actually with with America. You know, if, um, uh, if you think of Ellis Island in New York and welcoming um, people from all around the world, Argentina and various other parts of South America had exactly the same experience at the same the same time. The um, um, the end of the nineteenth century, the start of the twentieth century, the economy was booming. Uh, it's a huge country, and they needed, um, uh, you know, people to come to come and work, and um, uh, you know, and that and that had an incredibly that's resulted in an incredibly rich culture, and that's obviously reflected in the food. So there was a lot lot of um, uh, immigration from um, Europe, 
obviously Italy, but but um, you know from Germany, from the Balkans, from from here in the UK, you got you got um, lots of Jewish immigration as well. Uh, Buenos Aires has a huge um, Jewish community. Yeah, so it's actually and, and it's it's kind of really created um, uh, a strong mix. The other thing you should say is 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 that you know and it's it's less talked about in Argentina um, at the moment, but um, there's there's a lot of um, African heritage. To it because you know um, the the the, Ameri- the Americas um, also also um, had a system of, of, of slavery and um, th- there's a strong African heritage in things like tango, for example, um, in, oh, in, in in Argentina, um, and you know there's very much a strong indigenous heritage, which again something that perhaps um, perhaps should be talked about more. So it's a real you know melting plot is a cliche uh, of course, but. It, it really does accurately sum up um, kind of Argentina's amalgam of cultures and, and peoples. Well, let's talk about a couple of these cultures, um, starting with the Italians, because this mm. is always my favorite topic. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a neighborhood in Buenos Aires called Palermo, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Is is that where the majority of the Italians came from, from Sicily? Because there's a huge Sicilian influence in the United States and the Italian-American community. Yes, but I mean that. Yeah, so Palermo, which is um, yeah one of the key neighbourhoods for for eating out, drinking, nightlife. Um, uh, but but actually, I mean there, there was immigration from a, from across um, Italy. But actually, there, there's there's a lot of um, Genoese heritage actually, oh, which you which today you kind of see in the um, the south of Buenos Aires in um, neighbourhoods like La Boca, which is near where the port area is, um, and that has a very strong Italian um, and and specifically Genoese influence. But more generally, there's you know there, there's Italian wide um, Italian wide immigration, and definitely if you go to to Palermo, you will see you will see that in action. Um, but really, yeah, to, to the, the, the south of Argentina, which is the more historic part, wonderful architecture here. Uh, yeah, very, very rich in culture. That's where you'll see um, particularly a lot of, um, yeah, a, a lot of Genoese and kind of from, from that area. Now, let's talk about pizza because we can't leave Italy without discussing pizza. Argentine pizza is famous, getting more famous, I think. Is it significantly different than the pizza we might get in Italy? In other words, have uh, the Argentines put their own specific twist on their pizza? Yes, yes. It's funny, actually, because um, pizza is a huge thing in Argentina. You find it served across the country. Um, you know, Buenos Aires is sometimes described as the pizza capital of South America. There's a huge, huge number of, of pizzerias. Again, like as with ice cream parlors and so on, there's, there's one on virtually every block. But the pizza itself actually has more in common with um, uh, the pizza that, that you'll find in America. It's typically uh, a deeper dish. Okay. Um, style um, rather than the Italian style, and even um, a lot of the ingredients, uh, a lot of the toppings, rather, again, very similar to um, to to the US style. There are specific variations on that. One thing to look out for is the uh, fugazetta, which, um, apart from having a wonderful name, is a um, it's it's a it's one of these pizzas, and it's heaped with cheese and onions, and that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 super filling. Don't expect to. Uh, to, to do much activity afterwards. Okay. But that's a classic, that's a classic um, Argentine, particularly Buenos Aires um, style pizza. Um, the other thing um, which is perhaps more reflective of um, 
the uh, the Italian roots of pizza is something called faina, which is essentially a um, a chickpea cake. So it's very traditional to have a uh, you know a slice of pizza with a slice of this um, this chickpea cake. Um, you're getting a lot of carbs with this, this I should say, but. Um, but yeah, that's that's really it's 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 very. I mean, it's a very interesting um, interesting flavour, and it's it's kind of it's very uh, yeah very very typical of uh, of Buenos Aires. Okay, my ears just picked up when you said chickpea cake mm. because this made me think of um, northern Italy, the Cinque Terre region, and also Nice, where they have a chickpea kind of a chickpea crepe yeah. called soca. Is it similar to a, say a soca? Yeah, funny enough, I was in Nice a couple of years back, and um, uh, on my first visit, I hunted out uh, soccer as, as uh, for this re reason. Um, it's uh, the, the uh, Argentine style is is thicker, so it's kind of um, a kind okay. of it, it, it's more like a wedge of uh, pie, perhaps you would say, like a couple of inches thick. So it's so it's 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 a bit thicker and more substantial than um, than something you might have find, found in kind of Nice classically. Um, I mean, uh, interesting. I, sh I, I should say at this point, Argentines um, have big appetites, and the portions are huge. <laughs> so, so uh, the the faena, the pizza, the food more generally is is uh, redolent of uh, of that. Well, I'm going to definitely tell my brother about this because he spent some time in Nice, and he's a filmmaker. He just made a short movie that's going to be coming out soon, a short film about specifically Soka in Nice. So he'll be very interested to hear about um, this version of chick of a chickpea cake in Argentina. Very cool. Excellent. One other community I'd like to talk about is the African community. Of course, slaves were brought over to all over the New World, including Argentina. Is there a way for us to experience the African culture in Buenos Aires or Argentina in general? Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's, uh, as I say, there, 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 was, there, was, there, was, there was a huge influence um, on, uh, African influence on um, kind of Argentine history. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's not, a, it, there's, it's difficult digging into this. Um, you know, some estimates, some academic estimates I've, I've read suggested that the um, population of Buenos Aires, um, kind of in the in parts of the 18th and 19th century, was had a had a black African population of 25 to 30 percent. Wow. Today, it, it's there's there's a smaller visible um, population, I would say. Although there's there's, there's 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 many Argentines with African heritage who are obviously very proud of their their roots and are trying to get more recognition um, from from uh, within the country as a as a whole. But most, I mean, I, I would I would say every visitor to Argentine Argentina will experience something of this this heritage through tango. Um, so uh, you know the, the 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 roots of tango are multifarious and um, and 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 tango and and tangled and there's lots of influences from various different places, um, but but you know the African um, uh, rhythms are, are very much part of it. So when you're when you're uh, watching a tango show, if you're listening to tango music, if you're seeing a performance on on a street, which I can guarantee you definitely will do. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting to think. 
actually has kind of got a richer richer heritage. Sadly, f- from a food point of view, um, it's a bit more difficult to um, to experience that. Or, or, although there are a handful of of restaurants, certainly there were a handful of restaurants before the um, before the start of this year and the uh, the difficulties with COVID. So um, hopefully, some of them will survive. You talked about the African influence on tango, and I guess I see it, but. As a person who doesn't really know anything about dance, I think of the tango as a very structured dance. And I think of African dance, like when we go to New Orleans and places like this where we see uh, African influences in dance, more, uh, in my mind, I think of it as more freeform jazz um, style. So how, how, do you, how do you marry those together, do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I I should offer the caveat that I'm uh, I'm if any, any, anyone who's uh, seen me actually attempt to dance the tango, <laughs> that I'm very much an amateur, um, and, it, and it would be my specialist specialist subject. But from from, from books I've read, that it, it's the 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 uh, some of the, the rhythms, the some of the some of the percussion from um, people with African heritage, um, as well as from from various other um, kind of kind of nationalities of kind of fed in and kind of created um obviously what's 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 now a very uh, distinctly argentine uh, cultural form well I, I think you would be you're like me it sounds like and that's you know the only dance i've i've told this to my friend uh michaela malazzi who does a tv show about dance um the only dance i know how to do is the pogo so <laughs> it pretty much starts and ends, ends there um Let's talk about empanadas, uh, because mm. I think this is a very famous dish from Argentina. First of all, describe what an empanada specifically is. I think most people in the U.S. now are familiar with it, but I'd say probably a lot of people, especially in the North, probably aren't familiar with empanadas. Yeah. So, so empanadas are ubiquitous, not just in Argentina, but, but, but across Latin, Latin America um, and increasingly further afield. Um, they're essentially um, savory um, uh, pastries, so kind of a uh, half moon shape um, and enclosing uh, an array of toppings. Uh, cheese and ham, classically. Uh, in Argentina, there's something uh, criollo, which is kind of like a, a ground, ground meat. Often olives, um, often boiled eggs, in them. Uh, but you'll get spinach and cheese. Um, uh, you'll get a huge, huge array of uh, array of flavors in them. Um, and actually, one of the things that's worth looking out for um, if you're going to uh, a bakery that sells them is to take a look at the uh, the designs because, as I say, they're classically half moon shaped. But there'll be um, uh, little details. On the uh, on the pastry that the baker has put in to be able to distinguish them after they've been cooked, so it may go over may go over your head, but the uh, the, the the bakers will know um, um, uh, what flavors they are. And there and empanadas are a classic um, street food snack, um, so they're something to eat on the go. Um, uh, they, they, you can get them in the restaurants as well, but often most people eat them on the go. Um, and uh, and they're often a uh, merienda, which is um, as I mentioned in uh, the previous time that I talked to you, it's kind of like an afternoon uh, uh, snack um, that kind of keeps you going in the uh, the long wait between lunch and the uh, late dinner that hmm. Argentines classically have. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the the different empanadas and how they can tell what's in because it's it's a stuffed empanada. You can't see from the outside what's hmm. on the inside. A, a friend of mine when we lived in Texas. He was from Chile, and he opened an empanada shop. 
and he had a listing of what they all were and he would just grab, you know, you'd tell him what you want and he would just grab them. And I'd say, how do you know? <laughs> You're like, well, I have my own little system. You know, this one has this on the top. This one is folded this way. This one has a crimp like this. And that's how he told the difference of, of what the different empanadas had inside them. There's a real artistry to it, actually, and 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 um, yeah, lots of people have their own their own systems, and it's uh, yeah, it kind of uh, it definitely adds to the experience of eating them as well. So um, although you might grab them in a go, it's worth um, worth worth studying them a little bit before you uh, pop them in your mouth. <laughs> now you mentioned the rivalry between Argentina and Chile probably extends mm. to soccer. I would imagine is a big deal, um, but huge uh, deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, how? What would be a good way for us to experience soccer in Argentina? Because, and I say this because you know I've spent uh, some time in Europe and I've wanted to go to soccer games, but oftentimes the big matches I find them they're so freaking expensive, um, and then I end up watching them in a, in a bar or something and have a great time. So what would be, in your opinion, Shafik, the best way to experience so a soccer match in Argentina? Interestingly, before I became a travel writer, I was actually a uh, sports reporter. And, um, and oh, cool. uh, football, as we would call it here, but um, soccer was yeah. very much very much my, my sport. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially it's a huge, huge part of um, really Argentine national identity. I mean, it is across Latin America, but, but it's, it's very, very strong in Argentina. Um, it, it, it's fairly easy to see, um, see a game. At least once we can go back to um, to uh, uh, attending um, crowded events like that um, right. in Buenos Aires. There, there are dozens and dozens of teams. Um, I would say if, if you're a visitor, if you particularly if you don't speak Spanish, um, there are lots of really good um, local tour operators that will buy your tickets for you um, and you'll go along in a bit of a group um, and they'll... Um, really give you some info on on the experience and guide you there and back safely essentially but 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 getting getting tickets to games are is is, is uh, not diff uh, not difficult and um you know if you're used to playing uh you know paying for uh nba tickets nfl tickets uh premier league tickets here in the uk you'll find them a lot cheaper than that um and the experience of going to a game is um yeah absolutely incredible i mean there's there's the action on the on the pitch of course but really you know most of the action goes goes on in the the stands there's incredibly choreographed uh songs and chants um many of which are uh not uh, not repeatable in polite company i must say <laughs> um but but it's absolutely it's the the, the volume the color you know Passion is cliched, but you, you can't describe it in any other way as as, as fierce passion that you'll see there. It's um, yeah, it, it, it's an it's a exhilarating experience. If you can't go and uh, see a game, or if you happen to uh, go at one of the brief periods in the year when when football isn't being played, um, played live, you know, going to a bar, um, going to a local cafe, almost all of which will be showing whatever whatever football from Argentina or around the world that's on at that moment. And watching it with locals and getting into conversations will also give you a bit of a bit of an insight um, into it. And that's the most exciting thing is the spectacle. I mean, even if you don't know anything about football, soccer, going to the game and experiencing what's going on in the crowd is just as exciting as what's going on 
on the pitch, I think. Before we let you go, you last time we had John, we ran out of time before we could talk about steak in Argentina. You said, I don't know if they'd let me back in Argentina if I didn't mention steak. So here's your opportunity. Uh, Shafik, talk about steak in Argentina. Uh, well, thank you for providing me with the opportunity. As you, as you say, I, I would be um, I would be very much in the bad books if I didn't didn't talk about it. Um, you know, Argentines eat more beef than virtually any other nationality. Um, uh, so, one newspaper report that said it was around sixty kilograms per person per year. Um, wow. I, I, I believe only neighbouring Uruguayans eat more. But you know. The, the cattle industry has played a huge part in Argentine, Argentine history. You know, we talked about immigration before, but that was, you know, driven at least in part by the growth of the, uh, of the, uh, the, the beef industry over the last, um, 200 years. Um, it's often described as the best in the world. I'm biased, of course, but I would describe it as the best in the world. I mean, the, the wheat and the meat's really well marbled, succulent, packed with flavour. And a lot of the reason for that is um, because the raw, raw ingredients are so good. Um, you know, classically, cattle in Argentina um, graze on the pampas, which are the um, flat grasslands that spread out from um, Buenos Aires um, across um, a huge swathe of central Argentina for hundreds of miles. Um, so the cattle were predominantly grass-fed, get a lot of exercise. They tend to put on uh, weight at the right pace, and that really is um, reflected in the, um, in the meat itself. Um, classically, it's not just the ingredients, of course, in Argentina. Argentines have a very distinct way of cooking it. So um, it's uh, classically cooked over what's called a parisia, which is... Broadly speaking, a brick-built brick built barbecue grill and typically over charcoal or firewood. Um, there's no messing around with the steaks. They're typically seasoned with salt and then cooked. Kind of really lets the natural flavour come through. Uh, one interesting element, which um, uh, may be seen as sacrilege in, um, in, in the US, parts of Europe, is that uh, the meat is generally cooked well done or medium. Um, so if you go to a very traditional... Um, steakhouse in Argentina, um, you may have to fight for it to be um, to be cooked uh, uh, rare or medium, medium rare. Um, uh, the other thing to look out for is uh, um, Argentines have very different cuts. So the way they butcher the the uh, the animals is is quite different to the way they do it in the US and the way that they do it in uh, over here in the US in the UK, for example. Uh, and it's very much nose to eat, nose to tail eating, um, as you'll see on the restaurant menu. Every every part of the uh, the, uh, the the cow is is eaten. So kind of a couple of things to look out for. Um, bife de chorizo is um, roughly equivalent to sirloin, or I guess in the US it would be New York strip. Um, you've got ojo de beef buffet, which is ribeye. Um, you've got my, one of my personal favourites, which is uh, costilla or tira de asado. It's sometimes called, which are short ribs, um, and uh, lomo, which is tenderloin. I'm really just scratching the surface there because if you go to um, to um, the steakhouses in Argentina, which are also called Parisias, um, you'll see a long, long menu of, of cuts. Um, if you don't know where to start, a great place to um, to, um, to get a sample of a lot of different um, different cuts um, is a parijada, which is essentially a mixed grill. 
So you get lots of different cuts. Um, some chorizo sausage, which is um, actually quite different to the Spanish-style chorizo sausage. It's probably closer to um, kind of a classic sausage, um, pork sausage that you'd get in the US or over here. Uh, and you often get French fries um, and salad. Um, and typically you'll get some um, uh, something called morchija, which is black pudding, um, mojecas, which are sweetbreads. Uh, if you're brave, you may even get something called criadijas, which are bull's testicles, uh, something of an acquired taste. Um, and and a, a classic um, accompaniment, of course, is chimichurri sauce, which I think is, is uh, more, more people outside of Argentina are becoming aware of over the last few years. But um, if you haven't come across it, it's um, uh, broadly speaking, olive oil, vinegar, herbs and seasoning. I mean, everyone has their, their own recipe, often fiercely guarded. Um, I prefer a bit of chili in mine. Uh, but yeah, but that's a classic, uh, classic accompaniment to it. Um, yeah, a few other things to, to, to look out for. Um, as I said before, locals here in Argentina, and particularly in Buenos Aires, eat late, 10 p.m. onwards. Um, so some restaurants, many restaurants will open a bit earlier, say eight o'clock for tourists, but you know, you're likely um, not to be eaten with many Argentines before that. Um, the other thing is the portions are huge um, and they're intended to share, um, which is a nice communal way of eating. It's often served, uh, dishes often served family style. Invariably, and particularly when you're on, during, during your early days in Argentina, you're all over water. But the thing to remember is doggy bags um, are commonplace. Uh, even in quite posh okay. places to eat, there's no, there's no stigma about it. Um, hmm. So uh, yeah, so that's something to um, to uh, to keep an eye out for. Um, that eating eating in in um, Parisias in steakhouses is obviously a, uh, a classic thing that tourists will tourists will do if you when you visit Argentina. If you can though, um, try and score an invite to uh, an asado, which is a barbecue, and these are. Um, in people people's homes, and this is another quintessential Argentine experience. Um, um, there's often a bigger joint of meat, slow cook, slower cooked uh, over firewood or charcoal. But it's really it's it's the the social occasion. It's a chance to catch up with families. It's often you know like the rough equivalent of um, you know going going round to your relatives for a Sunday lunch. Um, yeah, and that's that's a wonderful experience. And the other thing is, if you go to visit an estancia, which is a, a ranch, which are absolutely across um, Argentina, and there's there's many that are in striking distance of Buenos Aires, to the extent that you can visit for a day, although if you've got the time, really go and go and stay overnight. Um, and if you go and stay on one of these these ranches, particularly if it's a cattle ranch, you can uh, you can eat uh, Argentine beef uh, gaucho style, which is really uh, large cuts of meat which are um, spread out on a metal cross beside an open fire. Um, uh, this kind of technique is called um, asador criollo, um, and the meat here is absolutely um, uh, delicious. But also, you get the whole thing of um, the eating in the open air in the environment where the uh, the food was produced. Um, you get to chat with the gauchos as well, which is uh, another incredible experience. So um, that's definitely something to uh, to look out for if you visit. You mentioned that the portions are huge. Now, if we went into a steakhouse, would we order just one steak and share it between two people? Yeah, you 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 very much could do that. 
typically um, you'll you'll get meat by the weight, so you can you can choose you can choose the size that um, that that you would want. Normally, the smallest one is <laughs> easily enough for two or or more people, depending on what your appetite is. But yeah, it's classically you go into you you would go into you would share um, um, a cut of meat, ideally maybe um, a, a a salad portion of french fries and you know argentines as, as i said before you know love nose to tail eating so you might order some uh, morticia which is black pudding you might order um, some chorizo sausages you might order provoletta which is like a, uh, uh it's kind of like a thick um cheese that kind of a bit a bit, a bit like halloumi in some respects that's cooked on a, on a grill or you might have some sweetbreads you might have some kidneys uh you might have the aforementioned bull's testicles if you're adventurous um but yeah you, you would go into share if you're traveling on your own and this is something that um uh, i do a lot of not just for work but um but in my own life um they will often they do often cater for you so particularly if you go for lunch there'll be a menu of the day um, or there'll be um, there, there, there'll be options that you can go for, but but classically the way to go is to go with friends, to go with family, uh, fill the table with various dishes, and uh, and dig in. We're not traveling right now, of course, because of the pandemic. But in some future world that we live in, where travel is possible, when do you think are some of the best times to go and visit Argentina? So so talking to anyone in 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 uh, the US or Europe. Is essentially to you. You want to flip the seasons. So, um, so Argentina summer is kind of roughly from um, uh, December to December to March time. The summers in Buenos Aires and further north are hot, but you can visit year round um, as well. Even I mean, I've been to um, to Tierra del Fuego, the very southernmost tip of South America in the winter. And though you really want to wrap up warm, you can definitely um, explore there and actually a lot of the uh, a lot of the attractions particularly in the south uh, are are more memorable in 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 the winter uh, particularly some of the glaciers for example and if you want to do skiing or any of those kind of kind of winter sports but my 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 favorite times to visit argentina you know to be honest like most places in the world the best time is spring and autumn um, because it's you, they're not too busy it's not too hot and not too cold you know the height of summer in argentina you get a lot of argentine um tourists so uh prices typically will be pushed up in accommodation and so on there's more demand for transport but if you go in spring if you go in autumn um you can do you know a huge most 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 of the activities that you want to um and you won't be too hot too cold shafik meji so great to talk to you so interesting about Argentina. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And you've been everywhere, so we're going to have links to your stuff in the show notes. You've written, you said, 60 guidebooks. Incredible. Uh, about 40, I should say. About 40, sorry. <laughs> we don't want to so over, <laughs> oversell it here, Shavik. <laughs> but... Um, we will have links to, to your stuff in the show notes so that folks know, because you have been literally everywhere. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about a great place, uh, Argentina. Oh, Brent, it's been my absolute pleasure. Okay, there you go. Me and Shafik talking Argentina. Shafik told me he's working on a guidebook to Bolivia, so here's hoping we can get him back on the show when that comes out to talk about Bolivia. And head over to radiomisfits.com for the show notes on this episode. I've got links to all of Shafik's material. Plus, I've got a link to the first episode that Shafik appeared on Destination Eat Drink back in November.
Well, uh, that's going to put another episode in the books. While you're waiting for next week's show, head over to DestinationEatDrink.com. My latest blog post is about the hot toddy. I thought, hey, it's February. Time to talk about the hot toddy. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by our fearless leader, Ed Silla, and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask. And I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>